Yo, 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 yo. Welcome, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah K Podcast. Welcome back. Woo, okay, so this is right after game two. This is obviously my game two reaction. Uh, please, please go check out my previous two episodes. Um, it's my it's a game one reaction, and then I put out an NFL kind of dedicated episode. I'm trying to um until the NBA finals complete. I'm going to, you know, do separate episodes uh, dedicated to some NFL stuff and so forth. I will start bringing back, you know, in a, you know, inner client, you know, bringing back the NFL uh, and the NBA content together uh, once the NBA finals is over. But for now, this is I'm going to give you guys my game two reaction. <clears throat> so, like I said, check out those previous two episodes if you haven't. But if you are here and if you are here to stay. You already know how we go. I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah K of the Isaiah K Podcast. Um, and uh, I shouts out to everyone listening. Shouts out to everyone listening. Appreciate all the love and support I've been receiving from the podcast. Um, I see a lot of you guys uh, interaction and so forth uh, throughout social media and so forth. Um, <clears throat> and I see you guys. You know, I see the appreciation. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and let's, let's start with my reaction, my instant reaction right after game two. And I'm going to start from a place where <clears throat> I'm at a place with sports. I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not going to say I don't care about predictions, right? Cause I still, I still want to give you guys predictions and so forth. Uh, and I, I just like doing that type of stuff. Um, I'm more so into the why. The more and more I watch sports, I talk about sports, I'm more so into the why certain things happen. Because sports is chaotic. Sports is chaotic. I mean, in the NBA Finals, we have obviously the Denver Nuggets, who are the one seed in the Western Conference, but then we have the number eight seed in Miami. Sports is just always – sports has a way of being a little chaotic, and we just see so many unforeseen things happening, right? Like, things just happen in sports. So, predictions and getting predictions right, that's all good and gravy. But I'm, I am I think I value more into someone being able to explain as to why certain things happen. Not just being able to predict them or, you know, predict correctly or predict incorrectly or whatever. But, okay, the aftermath and result, why do these things happen? Why do... Um, such series and outcomes appear to, you know, happen this way. Why? So that's how, I, you know, I try to simplify it for you guys, for you guys and myself, really. And with these comparisons, a lot of times I know some people like my comparisons. And a lot of times it really, really helps the more and more you watch sports and you you might be watching one other sport. But then you're like, man, I've seen a version of that in another sport. Well. This just keeps happening to me and happening to me all throughout the NBA playoffs. And I figured it out with the Miami Heat. As they won game two um, over the Nuggets in a three-point victory, 111 to 108, I figured out what I am watching in terms of the Miami Heat execution, their effectiveness, even with inferior talent. I figured it out with great coaching. What we're witnessing from Eric Spoelstra and the Miami Heat 
it's something that we saw for almost 20 years. Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Literally, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and the Patriots. The, the, the level of effectiveness mixed with execution, really good game planning. That's literally, in great coaching, that's literally what we saw from the Patriots. So, like, <clears throat> that, that is what we're watching. Throughout the first, like, literally, the Buck series, the Knicks series, the Heat series, and now two games into this series, it's been nothing but execution, effectiveness, schematic game planning, great coaching, great culture. That's literally the Patriots. Rarely watching the Heat or the Patriots do you ever go and make – do you ever look at the Heat and Patriots you're like, man – they just got so much more talent than everybody else. I mean, since Spolstra has been the Heat coach, with the exception of the big three years, with the exception of the big three years, because obviously they like they they have more utterly they have more talent than everybody than than everybody else in the, in the league. But with the exception of the big three Heat team, anytime you watch an Eric Spolstra coach team with the Heat, do you ever go like? Man, they just they're just more talented. No, you don't. Now, sometimes you're like, man, they're just more disciplined and and they they execute better and they're smarter than the than anybody else that they play. But it's rare when you like, man, the Heat just they they just have so much more talent. And that's the same feeling that you got watching the Patriots. They were just more disciplined. They they would just execute better. And the coaching was like. You're like, bam, Belichick is just smarter than everyone. He's just smarter than everyone else. And, I mean, first three rounds, you know, Milwaukee, Knicks, you know, Milwaukee, they have some awkward offensive half-court issues. Uh, the Knicks, outside of Jalen Brunson, they didn't have anyone that, sem- that seemed confident in taking on the Heat defense. And then Boston, obviously Boston heavily relies on the three. Literally, what we're watching from the Heat, is literally what we used to watch from Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And even still now, granted, they're not like the Patriots aren't winning Super Bowls now, and they're not winning like uh they're not winning numerous playoff games, but you still walk away and like, man, how in the hell did Bill Belichick win seven games with that roster? It, it, it's like it's getting the most out of whatever you have in terms of talent. And usually Patriots, Heat, they have inferior talent. But Eric Spolstra and and Bill Belichick, they just have a way in just getting the most out of inferior talent better than really anybody else in their respective sport. I and I think that's I think that's fair to say. And even with the Heat, as I talked about, they exploit like throughout the first three rounds so far in these playoffs, they have exploited. Each and every team's weakness. The Heat, they knew Milwaukee has some awkward, funky, offensive issues in terms of the half court, especially late in games. Then they they knew that they can they can cut off Julius Randle right left hand. They can cut off RJ Bird's left left hand, force those guys to go right. And then the same thing with Boston, where Boston they knew Boston once they want Boston wants threes. They want to get up as many three-point shots as possible. You know what Miami did for the majority of the series? They ran Boston off the three-point line. They ran Boston off the three-point line. 
And that sounds a lot like what Belichick used to do. The the Heat took they take away what you do best. Oh yeah, who also did that? Bill Belichick of the Patriots. Literally, if you love to throw the football down the field and you want to stretch the defense and take the top off the defense, guess what? If you were playing the Patriots and Bill Belichick, he's not gonna let you get anything over the top and deep. You're gonna have to beat him underneath. If you love to run the football, control time possession, guess what? Bill Belichick is going to take, he's going to cancel out your running offense and you're not going to be able to control time possession. Literally, that's what, literally, that's what Belichick, Belichick made a killing off of taking away your, your one or two best options on offense. And essentially, that is what the Heat have been doing over the first three rounds. And I, I be damned, the Heat, they have found what the Nuggets like to do best. They have found a weakness, and it's it's a chink in the Nuggets' armor, just a small chink. But it's really, really hard to the. It's really, really hard to execute. And with Denver, what Miami did with Denver tonight, they let Jokic get forty. Jokic, his greatest gift isn't him being this great high volume scorer. That's not that's not his greatest gift. His greatest gift is passing getting others involved, having the ability to elevate others. Jokic only had four assists tonight. And then also, not just that, Miami took away the head of the snake. Because a lot of people think Jokic's going to be Jokic, right? Like, it's nothing, My like, physically, there is nothing Miami can do to stop Jokic from scoring. Literally, every time he he got the ball near the rim, he scored. There's nothing Miami is going to be able to do schematically to stop Jokic from scoring. They play like the Nuggets in a way kind of play right into the Heat's hands, like Jokic getting 40, but everybody else, everybody else seemed kind of ineffective offensively in every bucket. Like even, even Jokic buckets, some of his buckets, they were like, they were just really hard to get. Miami made it really, really difficult for Denver to score offensively, including Jokic. But get this. The head of the snake, everybody think the head of the snake. You don't the head of the snake is not necessarily the best player. But the head of the snake for the for the Denver Nuggets is Jamal Murray. And you know what Kevin, you know what, you know what Eric Sposher did? He inserted Kevin Love into the starting lineup, which enabled Kevin Love was able to you put Kevin Love and you put Kevin, you guard Kevin Love, you put him on Aaron Gordon. That enabled Jimmy Butler to defend Jamal Murray. And literally, what's what is what is the Nuggets go to bread and butter offense? Bread and butter. Their bread and butter is their Jokic and Murray pick and roll. Well, guess what? Jamal Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, they defended the Jokic and Murray pick and roll as good as you could. As good as you they as good as you can. That's the that's the best I've seen anyone defend and guard the Mary and Jokic pick and roll. So they the head of the snake, they took away Jokic's ability of passing and being able to elevate and get others involved because that's when Denver's at their best. Denver's at their best when Jokic averages his 23 to 24 points tonight. He gets his 12, 13 rebounds, and then he also gets his 9, 10 assists. Well, get this. This year so far, 
in in the ten games that Nikola Jokic has seven seven or fewer assists, the three and seven, the Nuggets are three and seven when Nikola Jokic has fewer than seven assists, and that's something that I've been kind of pointing about and talking about over the past two series. Um, even especially when the Lakers were playing um the Nuggets in the conference finals, that's something that I was pointing towards. I was pointing towards, hey, Nikola Jokic, he's a good scorer, not a great scorer. His best ability and his best trait is not his scoring. It is it is his effectiveness to elevate and make C-level players look like B-level players. That is the greatness of guys like Nikola Jokic, a LeBron James, a Magic Johnson. Where those guys, their greatest strengths, they can score the basketball, yes. But their greatest strength is their ability to play make and elevate others around them. But when you, so, and here's what Miami did tonight on the defensive end. When you let Jokic just score his points back down and everybody stay home on shooters, guess what? Jokic gets off. He gets his 40, right? But when it's time for guys like KCP or Michael Porter Jr., when it's time for those guys to hit some threes, you know why they couldn't hit them at the same rate that they've been hitting them throughout the, you know, throughout the playoffs, like they have been throughout the playoffs? Will back, I always say basketball is a game of rhythm and flow and confidence. And with Miami just letting Jokic go off and everybody staying home on shooters, that rhythm is kind is sort of interrupted because it's like well those those guys that are the KCPs the the Aaron Gordons and the Michael Porter Juniors they're so used to being able to get a rhythm they get hot they get going early so they just they're able it's easier and they have more confidence to hit those shots later in games and as the game goes on but as the game goes on and you don't get the same amount of looks and the same amount of shots, and you don't have that same rhythm, it is a lot harder to hit those shots when it's finally time to hit those shots. And that is what you saw late in the fourth quarter when KCP, he had a couple good looks, but he just missed them. Michael Porter Jr., he had some good looks. He just missed them. Well, you ask yourself why. Well, part of the reason is they didn't have that same rhythm or the same, just the same kinetic flow that they usually have in Miami they did a good job at taking it away Jamal Murray I mean he had 18 points and he, and he had 10 assists he didn't play bad tonight but we definitely have seen Jamal Murray play at a better level but you know what happened Jimmy Butler defended his tail off Jimmy Butler defended his tail off and the one thing that's so special about the heat you know when you talk about Jimmy Butler and his defense tonight it's their two best players in Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. They're not afraid to do the dirty work. And usually that's not something that stars or your best players are willing to do. Like they're like they're I think they're the fact that they're willing to do that. Jimmy Butler has the willingness to do some of those things that you don't typically see from your best player or your star player is it makes it so easy for guys like Gabe Vincent and Max Struess 
and Duncan Robinson to lead it to follow because if they see their star player diving on the diving on the floor for loose balls and you know having like just focusing on defense and it makes it so much easier for the other guys to just follow lead and follow suit. I think that's the one I think that's one kind of like the one misconceptions of the last dance. Um even like cuz like people try to paint Michael Jordan as just like this 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 tough prick and he's just the guy that just stubborn and on his own ways and one one that could that that, that could be true. Michael Jordan could be stubborn, right? Right? But I think the one thing that I one of the things that I remember him saying and this is paraphrasing but one of the things I remember him saying in the last dance was something he was like it was to the extent of my teammates are never going to be able to say Michael Jordan wanted me to do this Michael Jordan and I wasn't doing it. Michael Jordan was a guy who demanded perfection from his teammates because guess what? He was in route of that same, that very same perfection. So Grant, he might have been, he might have been hard, tough, tough, like hard on the ass, but Michael was a guy who demanded perfection. And he he demanded, he demanded that, but he was also in route of that himself. So it just makes it easier. When you're when you when you as a role player, as a bench player, um, when you see your best player, your star player doing some of the same things that you should be doing or doing the dirty work and not not don't care about doing that, those type of things. It may you have no choice but to follow in, in line. You have no choice but to follow that example. And that is what is that is what's often exemplified with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Jimmy Butler didn't have his greatest offensive night. Um, he shot seven for eighteen. Like <clears throat> he didn't have his greatest offensive night. But I tell you one thing: Jimmy Butler defended his tail off. He defended his tail off. Jimmy Butler also got nine assists. So like, it's it's the little things that really that's a that that can be a trickle down effect, and. And this kind of, in my comparison between Eric Spolster and the Heat and Bill Belichick and the Patriots, it's a little, it goes against the grain a little bit. Because when you think of the NBA, you think of the players. It's more about the talent. As a like that's that's what we think of the NBA. It's more about the players. It's a player, it's a player-friendly league. Like we just think of more of it like in terms of success. It has a lot more to do with the actual player than the coach, right? And that could be true. That could be true, right? But I think this Heat team might be one of the exceptions. And in and, and football, obviously, you know, you can have all the talent that you want. But schematically, if your coach just isn't there and, and he's just getting out-schemed, there's really nothing you can do. Right. So that's that. That's kind of like the two opposites, the two opposites of the NFL and the NBA, where NBA, it's it's been more of a player friendly league, player driven league. And it's more about the players and coaching. And, and, and then in the NFL, it's more about coaching, game planning, scheme and so forth. And I think with the Heat, they kind of like I said, it, it Heat, the Heat and Eric Sposter, they go against the grain. 
and they might be one of the few exceptions to this NBA as a player driven league. Because I, I was on I was on live before after the game went off, and I had somebody ask. I'm like, they were talking about Gabe Vincent and Max Struess becoming free agents, and similar to New England, similar similar to New England. I was like. I don't know if Gabe Vincent and, or if Max Struess are the same players if they go somewhere else. I.e., we'll just never mind you of the Patriots. Anytime Belichick, Belichick, I mean, and we see it time and time again, unless unless you're Chandler Jones. Anytime a Patriot hits the open market and they all and they leave in free agency, those guys, those pay those Patriot guys, they're usually never the same. They're usually, they're usually not as productive as they were under Belichick that unless you're Chandler Jones, like I think Chandler Jones might be the one exception, but point in case, i.e. this past year, JC Jackson, JC Jackson looked like an all pro corner under Belichick, all pro corner. And if you know Belichick, you know, Belichick loves his DBs. That's his thing. All pro corner with new England. Since he's entered the league, I think he had the he's he's had the most interceptions when he was with New England. Since he entered the league, he gets the big money. Chargers pay him the big money. He's the big time free agency signing on that defense. Before J.C. Jackson got hurt, he was having he was getting torched. He was getting burnt. Just didn't look like the same guy before he got hurt. And that's kind of some. I I, I kind of get a similar feel with the Heat. If one of these guys like Max Struess or if Caleb, if one of these guys were just to up and leave in free agency, and you know, if another team just overpaid for them, it would not surprise me if they were not as productive. It just wouldn't surprise me. It just would not surprise me. So whenever, t- you know, I, I just I find it interesting. Um, I think because I think there's a lot of interesting parallels between the Heat and the Patriots, and or I should say Spo and Belichick and the Heat and the Patriots culture. Um, even when it, when it comes to finding guys like Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, like teams, like teams bail on they bailed on on Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. The Heat pick them up, productive, productive as ever. That's very Patriot like. The that's very Patriot like where teams bail on certain guys. The Patriots have guys that you don't you never even heard of. You're like, where does that guy even come from? Like, where did that guy, like, Julian Edelman. Like, before, you you never heard of Julian Edelman. He, you never heard of him. And then, out of nowhere, he's making big-time plays and big-time catches for winning the, <laughs> making big-time catches to win Super Bowls. Like, you never heard of him. And that's literally what you, that you have a really, really similar culture, a really similar culture in Miami with Eric Spoelstra, where, you, he just has guys coming out of nowhere making plays. Like you never heard of Max Struess, but he's like he's hot. Like he's just hitting three after three. Never heard of guys like Gabe Vincent. Next thing you know, game two, he's the Heat's leading scorer. Like you can only only Miami, and you get the the same feeling you get about Miami. That's kind of the same feeling that you got about New England for years. It's like. That only happens to them. They just feel smarter than everyone else. Um, they play smarter. They're, they're more disciplined, and they just execute. That's just what it is. And with Denver, I, now, as I said all of that about Miami, I think Denver still wins this series because I think essentially, like, 
you got to have some talent, right? And Denver, I think, will figure out. They'll make some adjustments. Um, Miami, my, but like I told you guys, Miami really made Denver work for buckets, and they found two schematic approaches that work. And that first one, I kind of talked about it already. Inserting Kevin Love into the starting lineup. So with that, Kevin Love is guarding Aaron Gordon, but then more, more importantly, Jimmy Butler is able to guard Jamal Murray. That 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 ex that that really that worked out well. That panned out well. And then, like I like I've been telling you guys, this Heat zone. You know, a lot of teams, a lot of NBA teams are hesitant to run the zone defense because it just takes it takes like almost flawless execution um, for it to actually be successful. But the Heat, who look, once again execution, the, who who executes better than the Heat? Who have been who like no one like. So the Heat executing the zone, the zone working does not surprise me. Does not surprise me. And then I think more importantly, the Heat heavy analytics. They were heavy analytics tonight. Um, they hit forty nine percent of their threes, and Denver dominated, painting the point fifty four to thirty four. But the threes, threes are more than twos. And I think for all the people that's like that's like really really pro analytics. Tonight was their night, <laughs> you know. I, you know, I, I'm a I'm more of an in between guy between analytics and so forth. But I'm not like heavy analytics. But for all those heavy analytic nerds and the guys that's like pro analytics, it won tonight because the Heat were able to shoot nearly fifty percent from three. And granted, Denver had their way because they're longer, they're more athletic. Um, right? They they had their way in points in the paint, dominated thoroughly. But threes are worth more than twos. And the Heat, and a lot of people are like, man, well, how many times are the Heat going to shoot that well from three? Well, out of the 20 games that the Heat have played in the postseason, six of those games, the Heat have shot 48% or better from three. So that's nearly 30% like, of, of the games in the postseason. So the Heat, them shooting this good from three is not like some anomaly or something that can't happen again. It it's been kind of like it's been part of the course, you know. Uh they the Heat have been really effective at shooting three ball. And then like I said, I think Denver uh it, they're really hard to stop because even with the actions that they've run, their actions are built for Jokic to get others involved and elevate others. I think a guy like KCP, um, a Michael Porter Jr., I think they're going to try to they're going to try to feature them a little bit more than what they actually did because they cuz Denver tonight, um not going to say they didn't play hard, but I think they kind of fell asleep behind the wheel, right? Um I think they kind of took Miami for granted a little bit. Um with the with with you know they had 14 turnovers, just way too many turnovers versus a Heat team. Um, they the Heat they allowed the Heat to make that big time run in the fourth quarter. Uh, like you could just see it kind of going, you could see it going downhill, and then Denver kind of turned on too late. It was a little, it was a little too late. Um, but I'm expecting a really, I'm I'm expecting some adjustments for Michael Malone. But this is a really really competitive series. And this is what they this is what the heat kind of make you do. This is what the heat kind of make you do.
Um, and I, but I think more importantly, man, like guys like Duncan Robinson, Duncan Robinson, his, I think his, he, his little, like Duncan Robinson went on his own run in the fourth quarter. Um, that was so huge. Like his buckets in the fourth quarter was so huge, monumental buckets. Right. Um, and the heat just, they just find a way to get it done. They just find a way to get it done. I, I, I'm sorry, but like, it's just, it's very reminiscent. Um, even still. It's it, it's really reminiscent of the Patriots and how they really executed and dominated for a long time, just with being more disciplined, um, being more efficient, and just being smarter than everyone else. Like literally, literally, that's how the, that's how the Patriots dominated. Literally, that's how the Heat have dominated throughout this playoff run, taking advantage of your taking advantage of what you do best, or taking advantage of your deficiencies. Being able to execute, they're more disciplined. That's just what it is. And you know, I I would definitely looking forward um to the series going back to sea level. Uh, I, and speaking of that, I think with Miami, with Miami being <laughs> with Miami having played a long, tough, physical, emotional seven game series, um, I was not surprised that. They look a little flat in game one, um, and you kind of you kind of saw them a little fatigue in game one. I wasn't surprised about that. C level team going above, like yeah, going in the high altitude. I kind of kind of saw that coming. Um, I think going into game three, Miami is a two point underdog, which I'm not even mad at. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Excuse me. I wouldn't be surprised if after game three and game four, you came back to Denver and this series was tied 2-2. Wouldn't be surprised at all. I think this is going to be a – I think both coaches – I'm I'm willing to give Spo the advantage, obviously, but I don't think that it's – like, I think Michael Malone could really coach, right? I think he's a good coach. And unlike, you know, uh, Joe Mazzula where – young inexperienced and you that kind of showed itself on his head i don't think you're gonna see those same type of lapses from michael malone uh because what he has been able to show is that he can he can you know pivot off of things um he's not afraid to bench certain guys um so i I definitely see adjustments coming and i'll probably pick denver to win game three right um but i think in order to in order for that not to happen again in terms of Michael Porter Jr. and KCP not having great offensive nights and not having that same rhythm um, or the same amount of touches that they are usually accustomed to, uh, you're going to see – I think you're going to see a little bit more actions ran for them, more dribble handoffs. I think Denver got a, got a little they, – they overplayed and overdid uh, the, the Jokic and Mary uh, co- combo. Uh, that pick, I think they kind of overplayed it sometimes. Um, so I definitely gonna, I definitely think you're gonna see more MPJ, more KCP dribble handoff actions to get those guys involved. So it doesn't seem like they're just meaningless. And then when it's time to make big shots, they can't make them because they don't have that same rhythm, they don't have the same flow, confidence and so forth uh, as they have had in the past, in the previous rounds um, as when as they've been playing well. So Miami kind of punched Denver in the mouth. 
I expect, I definitely expect Denver to bounce back. Um, I, I like Denver. It does not surprise me that Miami, um, kind of answered back the way they did. Uh, and as I said, I knew that adjustments were going to happen for Spo in Miami. I thought Kevin Love was one of those adjustments that they had to make. You just had to spot him some minutes. I thought they did a good job with not playing him too much, but played him enough where he kind of impacted on the boards. He crashed the glass really well. Um, didn't have a great shooting night, but he hit t- he knocked down two threes um, to go with that set. They went 17 for 35 for three. So even though Miami's like really three point reliant, they're like they don't just jack up threes. They they run smart actions. Um, they run great pin downs and they they run actions where it kind of they, they, they a three point shooter is open. It just seems like a three point shooter is always open on that backside, especially. So um, Miami smart team, but I'm expecting Denver to win this series. Like I said, I've, that's kind of been my take then um, before the series started. But this series is going to be really, really interesting, and it should be a really good coaching matchup. Uh, but without further ado, um, that's going to wrap this bad boy up. That is my Game 2 reaction. The Heat taking Game 2, 111 to 108. I will catch you guys after Game 3 um, on Wednesday, and I hope you guys enjoy. Always remember, two choices, one decision. I am out. Peace, deuces, gone.